Lock and load. This is the Brothers in Arms Fully Automatic Podcast. Brought to you by MajorLeagueShooters.com. You'll hear about two brothers that shared their journey to gun ownership, giving you their fully automatic perspective about ownership, safety, accuracy, laws, news, and everything in between firearm related. Lock and load, the range is hot. All right, let's do this. This is Brothers in Arms, fully automatic. Welcome to the Brothers in Arms Fully Automatic Podcast. I'm your big little brother. And I'm your little big brother. Welcome to our sixth episode. Uh, This is America, part two. Lock and load. We got a lot of information. The range is hot. So today's episode includes uh, information regarding the most recent uh, shooting in Uvalde, Texas, and we found a very interesting article written by the Associated Press that basically chronicles all the major shootings from 2012 to recently. And it's really, once you look at this information, it, 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 some things pop out at you. And I think that it's important for our listeners to kind of get a sense of what's really going on and to put these pieces together with us by themselves, just to be able to digest this, this information. What are your thoughts, bro? Okay, so yeah, we, we've got over 20 shootings since 2012 in July. Let's start with the first one. The Aurora, Colorado shooting happened on July 20th of 2012, and that left 12 dead. James Holmes was receiving psychiatric treatment when he passed the required federal background checks and legally purchased the weapons he used in the movie theater assault. As in the Parkland and the Navy Yard cases, treatment alone did not prevent him from buying guns. He was convicted and sentenced to 12 life terms and thousands of years in prison. That takes us to the Newton, Connecticut shooting in December of 2012. That left 26 dead. And Adam Lanza used his mother's weapons, including a 223 caliber semi-automatic rifle in a massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Lanza's mother, whom he fatally shot before going to the school, also purchased the ammunition. Lanza killed himself. In Washington on September 16th, 2013, this incident left 12 dead. And a Aaron Alexis, a former reservist turned civilian contractor, passed background checks and legally purchased the shotgun used in the Washington Navy Yard shooting, despite recent mental health treatment and a history of violent outbursts. He previously fired a gun in anger twice, but wasn't prosecuted in either case. Alexis was killed by the police in that incident. The Charleston, South Carolina incident that happened June 17, 2015, we can't forget, that left nine dead. A drug arrest should have prevented Dylan Roof from purchasing the pistol he used at a manual AME church, but a record-keeping error and background check delay enabled the transaction to go through anyway. The FBI said a background check examiner never saw the arrest report because the wrong arresting agency was listed in state criminal history records. After three days, the gun dealer was legally permitted to complete the transaction. He was convicted and is on a federal death row right now. That leads us to the Oregon, the Roseburg, Oregon incident 
October 1st, 2015, which left 10 dead. Christopher Harper Mercer and his family members legally purchased the handguns and rifle used in the Umpqua Community College shooting from a licensed dealer. Investigators found six guns at the college and eight at the apartment. Mercer killed himself after he was wounded by the police. That moves us to the San Bernardino, California incident, December 2nd, 2015, that left 14 dead. Uh, Saeed Farouk and his wife, Tashfeen Malik, used weapons the FBI said his neighbor, Enrique Marquez, legally purchased from a licensed dealer in 2011 and 2012. Marquez pleaded guilty to charges he conspired to provide support to terrorists and made false statements to acquire a firearm. He told investigators Farouk asked him to buy the weapons because he would draw less attention. Farouk and Malik were both killed by the police, by the way. That brings us to the Orlando, Florida incident, June 12, 2016. Horrific 49 uh, dead bodies at that event. And Omar Mateen purchased an AR-15 style rifle as well, a Sig Sauer MCX to be exact, and a handgun from a licensed dealer on separate days about a week before the Pulse nightclub attack. He passed the background check and had a security license that allowed him to be armed while on duty. The FBI investigated Mateen in 2013 and 2014 over co-workers' concerns that he'd spoken about ties to terrorist groups. Neither inquiry led to charges. Even if he'd been placed on a terrorist watch list, Congress in 2015 rejected attempts to prevent people on the list from purchasing guns. Mateen, though, was also killed by the police. That brings us to our Las Vegas uh, shooting, October 1st, 2017, which left 58 people dead. Stephen Paddock purchased 33 of the 49 weapons found in his hotel room at his home in the year before he opened fire on Country Music Festival. Paddock passed all background checks. His gradual ammunition, or excuse me, his gradual accumulation of guns went undetected because federal law doesn't require licensed gun dealers to alert the government about rifle purchases. Paddock killed himself. That takes us to the Sutherland Springs, Texas event, November 5th of 2017, which left 25 people dead. Uh, Devin Patrick Kelly, he had a history of domestic abuse and this barred him from buying guns. He was able to because information about his crimes was never entered into a federal database used for background checks. The Air Force failed to follow rules required that it inform the FBI about his conduct. Kelly purchased four guns, including the AR-15 style rifle found at First Baptist Church from licensed Texas and Colorado dealers over a four year span. Kelly also killed himself. That brings us to the Parkland, Florida shooting, right? February 14, 2018, left 17 people dead. Nicholas Cruz legally purchased a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 rifle in February 2017 from a licensed dealer a few miles from Majority Stoneman Douglas High School. Federal law prohibits gun purchases if a court declares a person a mental defective or commits that person to an institution but not if the person seeks treatment voluntarily. Cruz was 19 at the time of the shooting. He pled guilty in October. A four-month penalty trial is scheduled to begin this summer that will determine if he's sentenced to death or life without parole. So the next shooting happened in uh, Santa Fe, Texas, May 18, 2018. This shooting left 10 people dead. Demetrios Pagatarzis, 
A 17-year-old student used a shotgun and a 38 caliber handgun that his father purchased legally and stored in the closet at their home. Authorities said it wasn't clear if the father knew he'd taken the guns prior to the attack, but he posted a photo on social media of a t-shirt with the phrase, born to kill, and had writings indicating a planned attack at the high school. A judge sent him to a mental health facility after ruling he was incompetent to stand trial. Um, that brings us to the, the Pittsburgh shooting that happened uh, October 27, 2018, and that left 11 people dead. Robert Gregory Bowers. He had a carry license and legally owned the Colt AR-15 SP-1 and three Glock 357 handguns police said he used to kill worshipers at Tree of Life Synagogue. Bowers spent months posting rants against Jews, social media sites that favored right-wing extremists. He also posted photos of his Glock family just before the attack. He posted a screed against a Jewish organization that resettles refugees saying, I can't sit by and watch my people get slaughtered. Screw your optics, I'm going in. None of the rhetoric appeared to raise red flags. His case is still pending. That brings us to the Thousand Oaks, California incident on November 7th of 2018, which left 12 people dead. Ian David Long, a former Marine machine gunner who served in Afghanistan, used a legally purchased 45 caliber pistol with an extended magazine in the shooting at the Borderline Bar and Grill. California tried to outlaw high capacity magazines, but a federal judge reversed that after a pro-gun group sued. Months before the shooting, sheriff's deputies called to Long's home, found him acting irrationally, but a mental health specialist didn't feel he needed to be involuntarily committed. But there's no indication authorities sought a court order to take away Long's guns. Long also ended up killing himself. Here's the funny thing. Anything that's considered a part of owning a gun is also considered uh, owning arms. So... Uh, body armor, magazines, things to that nature. Some accessories are considered also arms by the law. So that's the reason why they were able to overturn that magazine ban in California. That brings us to the Virginia Beach shooting, right? May 31st, 2019, that one left 12 people dead. And uh, former Virginia Beach City employee Dwayne Craddock legally purchased six firearms in the three years before he opened fire on a municipal building including the two 45 caliber pistols used in the attack, an independent review of the shooting commissioned by the city of Virginia Beach found that Caddick displayed no warning signs or prohibited behaviors associated with a pathway to violence and that he had no known history of mental health. Caddick was also killed by the police. That brings us to the El Paso, Texas event on August 3rd, 2019. It left 23 people dead. Patrick Crucius brought an AK-47 style rifle and 1,000 rounds of hollow point ammunition online 45 days before he walked into Walmart and opened fire. He killed 23 people and injuring two dozen others before confessing that he had been targeting Mexicans specifically, according to prosecutors. A Crucius family lawyer said his mother raised concerns about the purchase in a call to police on June 27th. Police said she asked if Crucius, who was 21 at the time, was old enough to buy a gun. She was assured that he was and that he'd qual he qualified if he passed the background check. Police said she expressed concern only about his safety and said she'd seen no recent change in his behavior. Crucius posted a racist screed online just before the attack and appeared to target Mexicans. He's charged with capital murder in the Texas and federal hate crimes 
and uh, firearms offenses in addition to that. Now, that brings us to the Dayton, Ohio shooting that happened August 4th, 2019, and that left nine people dead. Connor Betts' classmate said he was suspended in high school for compiling a hit list and a rape list as well. But authorities said nothing in his background prevented him from purchasing the AR-15 style pistol used in the shooting at Ned Pepper's bar. Ohio law requires that sealed records of any juvenile crimes be expunged either after five years or once the offender turns 23. Betts, who was 24 at the time of the shooting, bought the gun online from a Texas dealer. It was then shipped to a Dayton, Ohio, or excuse me, to a Dayton area firearms dealer in accordance with federal law. Betts also, too, was killed by the police. Just, just a quick note. When people say that they purchase their guns online, that's how it's done. You can legally buy a gun, but it has to be sent to a gun dealer who then does the background check. That brings us to the Midland, Texas event that happened August 31st, 2019, which left seven people dead. Seth Aaron Ator purchased an AR-style rifle through a private sale allowing him to evade federal background check, fired it indiscriminately from his car into passing vehicles in, shop, in, a, in a shopping plaza. He also hijacked a mail truck, killing the driver. Atar had been blocked from getting a gun in 2014 after his background check was flagged because a court determined he was mentally ill. According to law enforcement, familiar with the matter, said that private sales, which account for up to 40% of all gun sales, according to some estimates, are not subject to a federal background check and private sellers aren't required to determine if a buyer is eligible to own a gun. Atar also was killed by the police. That brings us to the Atlanta shooting, right? March 16th, 2021. It left eight people dead. Robert Aaron Long. He purchased a nine millimeter handgun just hours before going on a shooting rampage at three massage businesses in the Atlanta area. A lawyer for the gun shop said, it complies with federal background check laws. Georgia, like the majority of states, has no waiting period to obtain a gun. Long claimed to have a Sex edition police said that he spent time at an addiction recovery facility last year. Federal law bans guns for people who are unlawful users of or addicted to a controlled substance or who've been court ordered to a mental health or substance abuse treatment facility, but doesn't mention treatment for other compulsions as a barrier to ownership. Long as serving a sentence life without parole. That brings us to the Boulder, Colorado incident that occurred March 22nd, 2021, which left 10 people dead. I'm not going to repeat this guy's name because I just think he's disgusting, but he bought a Ruger and it was an AR-556 style pistol, a semi-automatic weapon with a capacity of up to 30 rounds six days before the shooting at King Super's grocery store, police said. Alyssa was prone to sudden rage and was convicted of misdemeanor assault and sentenced to probation for attacking a high school classmate. Colorado has a universal background check law covering almost all gun sales, but that misdemeanor would not have prevented him from buying a weapon. That brings us to the San Jose, California incident on May 26, 2021. That left nine people dead. Samuel James Cassidy legally purchased the three nine millimeter handguns he used to kill coworkers and then himself at a Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority rail yard. 
He also stockpiled a dozens of guns and 25,000 rounds of ammunition at his home, which he set ablaze before the shooting and had high capacity magazines that may have been illegal under California law, depending on when they were purchased. Santa Clara's district attorney said authorities would have sought to take Cassidy's weapons away under the state's red flag law had the U.S. Customs and Border Protection informed them of a significant encounter with Cassidy upon his return to California from a trip to the Philippines in 2016. Customs agents said in a report that Cassidy harbored dark thoughts about harming two specific people and had a memo book in which he expressed his hatred of the transit agency. That leads us to the Buffalo, New York incident that just happened this year, May 14th. That left 10 people dead. Peyton Gedron legally purchased the Bushmaster XM-15 that he used in an attack at Topps Friendly Market from a federally licensed gun dealer near his home in Conklin, New York, about 200 miles away, southeast of Buffalo. In a personal online diary that surfaced after the attack, he said that he bought the AR-15 style weapon in January and bought a shotgun in December and received a rifle as a Christmas present from his dad when he was 16. Last year, Gendron was taken to a hospital for a psychiatric evaluation under a state mental health law after writing murder-suicide in a response to a teacher question. New York is one of 19 states with red flag laws that allow courts to take guns from people posing immediate danger but that didn't happen with Gedron, who was 17 at the time. State police described his threat as general in nature and said it didn't specifically mention shooting or firearms. After the shooting, Governor Kathy Hochul signed an executive order underscoring the need for red flag interventions and said she would seek to bar people under 21 from buying some semi-automatic weapons. And a similar law in California was ruled unconstitutional, but Gendron is charged with murder currently. That brings us to the Uvalde, uh, Texas event that happened May 24th here recently, which left 21 people dead. I think it's important to, to mention that the details of, of this uh, instance is still unfolding. And this is the general information that we have to this point. The person involved in this shooting is Salvador Ramos. And he legally purchased two guns in the days before the attack that killed 19 students and two teachers at Robb Elementary School. An AR-15 style rifle from a federally licensed gun dealer in the Uvalde area on May 17th and a second rifle on May 20th, Ramos made the purchases just days after turning 18, the minimum age under federal law for buying a rifle. He also purchased several hundred rounds of ammunition. At least one of the rifles was a DDM-4, made by Daniel Defense and modeled after the U.S. military's M4 carbine rifle. So without the M4's ability to switch to fully automatic or fire a three-round burst, the idea that an 18-year-old kid can walk into a gun store and buy two assault weapons is just wrong, is what this Associated Press article says. Ramos was killed at the school by a Border Patrol team. Okay, so that brings us to a long list of shooting episodes in this country. I think it's important to note that there's a distinct difference between this list of, of shootings and some of the lists that have come out in other media outlets that include people who haven't died, people who have, you know, just, uh, not just, but who, who've been shot, but you know, just injured instead of, you know, their life being taken, right? And I think there's a, a big distinction in whether that should be considered a mass shooting as well. But that's a conversation for another time. But I think there's some common themes in these shootings. Number one, that I, the first theme that I saw 
that stood out dramatically to me is that there were a number of red flag laws that just didn't work. Absolutely. They had them in place. These states lobbied for them, even with some pushback from either the gun lobby or pro-gun people or whatever the case is. And their argument was that this is not going to prevent people from killing people. I think it could have worked, right? But in, in each of the cases listed so far, the red flag laws didn't work because someone was supposed to report it and it wasn't reported to the person that should have put it in the system. So that's one thing that I noticed. The second thing that I noticed uh, significantly is that there's a, a significant number of mental illness uh, concerns with, with some of these incidents. There, there were red flags with regard to mental illness being a concern. They, they were identified as people who have mental illness concerns. They may have gotten treatment or at least some sort of evaluation. Hate, um, race was an issue or some kind of beef that these shooters had with either a community or organization or some kind of uh, uh, someone or group of people that they felt justified in doing this, whether it's sexual orientation, race, uh, uh, politics, um, you know, maybe they lost their job or some kind of issue at work, but there was some kind of uh, negative interaction that precipitated this um, or terrorism. They, they certainly slipped through the, the cracks of the system. There were indications that something was wrong with these people. Maybe we should look at them a little differently. Maybe we should give them some uh, different attention, some different type of assistance, some, some, some kind of uh, support in some way, shape, or form to prevent this from happening. In particular, the, 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 the young, younger shooters and the shooters that have had some kind of mental health concerns. They, they should have been some kind of intervention. It should have been something in the system that would, would catch something like this, and it's not. And this is why I say the mental health system needs to be significantly revamped because there should be a mechanism that alerts somebody, tells somebody, hey, look at this guy. Um, the other thing that I noticed is that there's no women shooters. You want to say something? No, I was I was gonna say that you know when you look at also these these events, right? The 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 common theme that we're seeing as it pertains to the mental health is a lack of follow through by someone whose job it is to make sure that this person is flagged. So I think that the system itself is is demonstrating, if by nothing with these incidents, that they've got to look at that reporting system as a priority. Agreed, agreed. And finally, the last point that I theme that I noticed was that all of the guns were legally purchased and were of the semi-automatic variety. There were no revolvers used per se. There, there was maybe one uh, shotgun, but that's still it was a semi-automatic shotgun. Uh, there were no bolt action uh, guns, which are significantly slower, although a couple were found at the scenes of shootings. They weren't the primary weapon used. Definitely should be mentioned that AR-15s and high capacity magazine pistols were used in, in an attempt to, I, I guess, to shoot as many people as they could. Um, these are all interesting commonalities, in my opinion, and I think they need to be kind of looked at, addressed, considered. Is there a way to 
identify people through these markers that might be a threat? Is there a way to um, single people out without violating people's rights? Because that's ultimately what it amounts to, right? Like people have rights and how, how do we not violate those rights? Because the, and, and some people are at the point where it's like to hell with your rights. When little babies are dying, rights are not the thing we should be talking about. Um, but it, it really kind of pushes us to do the mentally ill identify the majority of these shootings mentally ill right some were terrorism some were just random some had some other motive but if you just take out the mentally ill ones i think you put a huge dent in these in these cases the other thing that i noticed was you had five shootings in texas two in florida two in colorado three in california the others were in ohio oregon south carolina new york washington atlanta connecticut vegas pittsburgh and virginia all had one shooting. So, you know, the, the states that are having multiple shootings is something to consider. Texas is a very lenient gun state. Florida's lenient. Uh, Colorado's lenient. New York is not. And California is not. Each one of these incidents appears to be people that are acting alone. There isn't multiple shooters in any of these events that we know. Well, of. with the exception of the terrorism one, they had some help. There was, there was, I think, two or three that might have had some help, whether it be they, they got the gun from someone else or... They were acting alone in the actual crime. Correct, correct, correct. But I think it begs the question, right? Do the mentally ill have the right to protect themselves? Absolutely. I think... I. I... I know that we differ. We differ on this from from uh, two different spectrums, right? I believe everybody that is a free person on the earth uh, deserves a right to protect themselves. I think this is a similar question to: Should teachers be armed? No, they shouldn't. See, but I, I feel like some should. Listen, listen, listen. Have you seen some of these gym teachers? <laughs> they shouldn't be in those little shorts if they can't even figure out the attire that these some of these <laughs> teachers should be wearing. Do you I want to see a teacher with a gun. Listen, let them focus on teaching. Honestly. Okay, so so that goes to my point, right? Like, that's a divisive topic. Should teachers have guns? I feel like they do. You feel like, I, I feel like some should, and you feel like none should. I'm asking, should the mentally ill be able to um, protect themselves or be able to acquire guns? And you're saying yes, and I'm saying if you're identified as someone who has a problem, who's been adjudicated mentally defective, who has been taken to a hospital for mental health concerns, who's been evaluated or admitted, no. My thing is, is that just to address the teacher thing, right? I saw a post, um, I saw a post recently online uh, and, and it just chronicled like all of the different places that we actually protect with guns and we don't protect our schools with guns. Like, it just makes sense. Allocate the right staff, the right appropriate staff that's dedicated to protecting schools in every single school in America. You didn't answer my question. I said, if you have a mental health concern, adjudicated, mentally defective, have been admitted to a hospital for mental health concerns, probably on some sort of medication, maybe, maybe had some kind of behavior concerns in school or on the job or socially... Uh, awkward or inept in some way where you are, you know, having issues interpersonally with people and you've been 
brought to some kind of hospital, either voluntarily or involuntarily, you should not be able to buy a gun, in my opinion. You're saying those people should? I'm saying that while while they're in the hospital under review, they should not be able to. There should be no no way that they should be able to purchase one online. They should not be able to purchase one in person. They should not be able to have a gun. If they are a a ward of the state, if they are locked up in a in a in a, a, a prison, a jail, um, if they are on probation, parole, um, you know, if they are in a criminal, if they are being held accountable and serving any sort of penalty or sentence, I believe that at that point that person should not be able to own a firearm legally but the more right but we're not talking about them doing something to be put on the list we're talking about catching these people because let's 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 be frank right there are more guns than people in this country and some guns are in in the hands of people that shouldn't have them it's it's the truth they made it so easy for people to get guns that some people who shouldn't have them have them and some of those people are not well mentally. And you're saying that regardless of what your level of mental illness is, you should be able to have a gun or only the people who've been caught doing something and have to uh, a consequence because of their behavior and mental illness should not be able to have it. I'll be, I'll be super clear. If you are a free person in our country, you should have the ability to arm yourself to protect yourself. And I don't put any stipulations on that, whether you're mentally this or that, whether you're, you know, from this community, that community, I, I don't care. If you if we trust you with freedom and being around everyone else, you should have a right to protect yourself. That's just simple basics to me. Nah, I disagree, man. I think that that's part of what's wrong with this these scenarios, that we have too many people who believe that anybody should be able to have a gun. And I'm and I'm saying that while I respect everyone's you know rights with regard to being able to protect yourself and your family and acquire some kind of gun to do that. Let's say there was no rules in the world at all, right? And the only thing stopping people from killing you and taking you and yours was your ability to 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 stop them with a gun. You don't think that there would be roving bands of crazy people just you know randomly attacking people if there was no consequences i think that there's a there's a there's a limit where we should say this is where because the, the word common sense gun laws to me i think is just a, a catchphrase that one political party uses to kind of motivate people to think that what they're proposing is you know okay when in actuality it's overstepping the line in this instance i think common sense gun laws would it would make sense in my mind if people who have some kind of mental health issue where they can't control themselves or where they need intervention at the point where you need intervention you should not be able to to have a gun and i think that's where i used to differ in the past i used to say to myself well if you're depressed or you have anxiety or you have you know, some other kind of, uh, let's say you're bipolar or you're manic depressive or something like that, but not violent, right? I still feel like those people shouldn't be barred from using guns, but I don't know that they should be able to still buy a gun now in our climate. That's where I'm changing my position.
in order to save the kids, I'm willing to say that there's some freedoms that we have to give up at this point in order to figure this out. I'm not going to discriminate against a specific demographic of people because the system doesn't work for them. They still have a right. Their life is still worth the same amount of every same person, if not more. And I, ideally, ideally, I would agree with you. But until we could figure this out, I think that that's at the bare minimum, right? Like anyone who has mental health concern at this point, I think should should not be able to be to buy a, 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 a gun. And to be honest with you, that's still a lot of people who could still get it, because just because you have a mental health concern doesn't mean that you were admitted to a hospital or a mental health facility or whatever. Right. Like there's a the overwhelming majority of people with mental health concerns are not violent, You're not proposing. You know. Uh, uh, life and death situations for the for the majority of us. We're talking about the few apples that shouldn't have gotten a gun in the first place. And I think in the past we've mentioned that you know they need to attack this mental health piece. I think is is imperative. You got to fix the system that actually is. They can't even get the reporting right. How are they going to be able to decipher? accurately who should and shouldn't they're going to excuse me they're going to discriminate against thousands of people unrightfully so well i think that this conversation right now really paints the picture of what's going on in our country right you got people who believe that everybody has an an, a, an unrestricted right to protect themselves whether it be from bad actors in our society or our government and that nothing should impede that. And then you have other people who are saying that, no, there's some le legit reasons why some people shouldn't be able to, to have a gun. And I'm falling in the middle. I, I was on that first side, and now I'm coming to the middle because I'm saying to myself, I'm looking at all of these places that these shootings have happened. Once upon a time, shootouts used to only happen in the hood, in black communities. Now they're happening all over the country. And I'm not saying let's consider this because of that, that we should have been considering guns when it was only in the hood or when the majority of them was in the hood shootings uh, I'm referring to. But now they're more widespread. And this means that it can happen to you. So while I feel confident that, you know, if I'm in a scenario that, you know, I would be equipped to get out of there safely. Everybody's not. And I think we need to all do something to figure out how we can make this better. I do agree that the mental health system and the reporting, and, and even though I was uh, against red flag laws, I, I mean, at this point, there were a lot of people that were against red flag laws. And people even said they're not going to stop people from, from acquiring guns and shooting people. And clearly there have been examples of outliers where these implemented you know, measures haven't worked. They didn't work in gun restrictive New York. They didn't work in a couple other scenarios with regard to red flag laws. Uh, people have fallen through the cracks with the mental health reporting system. People have been actually uh, reported and brought to hospitals and it wasn't entered into the system. So who do we hold accountable at that point? I don't know that it's as much about holding someone accountable as much as fixing the system that's supposed to stop these things from happening, right? Because the accountability piece is after the fact. 
And what you're saying, I totally get because people want to do something. Like it feels desperate when you have children being murdered. Obviously everyone gets it. No one wants that on the, on the pro gun side, right? But if you look at the Midland, Texas incident, right? This person was already barred in a system and the system worked. It stopped them from getting a gun legally, but this person was mentally unstable and was hell bent on committing a crime and they found a way to get the gun anyway. So well, that's the same thing as, as the, the New York shooter, the Buffalo shooter. So I, I agree with you there. It, it doesn't matter what you put in place, but I do think something needs to be in place to mitigate these things for the future. There, there needs to be a concerted effort to fix whatever's wrong and make sure that these people are having a way more difficult time getting these guns because we shouldn't be having the same conversations after each of the, each of these shootings. We shouldn't. We agree there. I agree totally there. We've got to find a way to stop people from getting guns that shouldn't have them. I don't think the answer is discriminating against our mentally, um, you know, uh, a handicap in our country. I think that they can also be victims of certain circumstances. I think that, you know, being mentally disabled is a disability and it should be treated as such, not as a crime and a penalty where we don't allow them to, to defend themselves. I get it. There's a big problem. We've got to figure out where, where to stop it, right? The reporting system has to be held accountable and it has to be bulletproof, no pun intended. Well, I think we could go on and on and on with this topic and really still not come out with a resolution. I think it's important for us to keep this conversation going, to present the facts to, to the public in a concise way and just kind of talk through it without, you know, having any vitriol or any negative um, conversations, because it's really hard not to do that in our society now. And, you know, I think doing this should be able to help. Hopefully, um, you know, this will inform the public in some way, shape or form. Hopefully there's a politician out there that's heard something different from us that, you know, maybe they haven't heard uh, previously. Um, I'm hoping that we can uh, keep this conversation going within the next few weeks and hopefully find a, a resolution to this. Um, but I definitely want to thank our listeners for taking this ride with us, listening to us. We had a lot of information this go around and that I'm sure there's going to be more information coming out that we can address in the future. Um, tune in to our next episode where we talk about ghost guns. Thank you for taking this ride with us. Lock and load. The range is clear. You've been listening to the Brothers in Arms Fully Automatic Podcast. Brought to you by MajorLeagueShooters.com. Your number one source for gun parts and accessories. You can join us every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Hear us on all the major podcast platforms. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Facebook at Major League Shooters and on Instagram at Major underscore League Shooters. See you next time.